Coca, su naray, su naray en ti. 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 Hello, welcome to the second episode of the Psychedelic Confessions. Today I'm very proud to have my friend Alejandro Lozano. Alessandro is an investment banker in a former life, and he spent the last two decades exploring new economic paradigms, psychedelics, classical tantra, and the challenges of relationships and family life. He's a dear friend, very inspiring. I often ask his opinion on, on, on those matters economics, family, relationship. I thought that um, it was a great idea to follow up with him after having had Ethan Nadelman for these psychedelic confessions. Alejandro has um, kindly accepted to be open about his uh, personal experience. I think it's important now that psychedelics are becoming so popular um, for people to hear from uh, personal experience, not just from Um, you know, clinical trial or, um, uh, st uh, you know, scientific report, um, but just from, you know, direct experience. Also, there's been, you know, now it's mm, this medicine is so popular. Um, we want also, you know, caution people that this is our, you know, very mm, mysterious in a way. Uh, compound and this experience can be compared to go hiking up into a volcano you would not explore a volcano on your own you would you would need to have a guide and same thing for this compound you would not want to explore your psyche without someone that can guide you um, so this you know is not an encouragement to try recklessly um, Also, another distinction that sometimes you don't find in press and television is that, you know, this compound has very different effect if they are taking in small, medium, or high dose. Um, also, another distinction that needs to be kept in mind is the intention why you do that, you know. The three typical um, distinctions are recreational, celebratory, for healing, and maybe mystical, so I would say four. So, um, like for the Eden podcast, I would like to um, structure this conversation going from compound to compound and hear what was Alejandro's experience. I will also share mine, maybe not for all of them because I don't want to repeat myself from the previous compound. Alejandro, welcome. Hello, uh, thank you for having me. Uh, it's good to be with a great friend talking about such interesting subjects. So let's go. Uh, let me read them real quick and then we're going to one by one. So today we're going to be talking about marijuana, MDMA, LSD, psilocybin, ayahuasca, DMT, 5-MeO-DMT, peyote, San Pedro, iboga, canna, and mambe. So let's go. What's your relationship with uh, marijuana? Okay, marijuana was uh, probably the first on that list that I tried. It started uh, recreationally, exploring with friends, and then in, in Spain there is a big tradition of smoking hashish, and uh, that's probably the, th the first thing I did. Then uh, at one point I moved to Costa Rica, where there was a, 
lot of marijuana in Spain. It's a smoke with uh, normally mixed with tobacco, and in Latin America, it's a smoke on its own. Like, uh, it's, and I, I learned that probably the mixing creates a very different effect. You got two psychoactive substances, um, tobacco also being uh, very addictive, but also changing the nature of the experience. So for me, it was an eye opener that the, the marijuana experience. I really had not had. I had the marijuana plus tobacco experience. And then um, in Latin America, in Costa Rica, and other countries in Latin America, uh, I I came in contact with marijuana by itself, uh, which created a very different experience. I, I smoke uh, to relax and to get into this uh, very nice space. Um, very soon I found out... Um, that with marijuana less is more. Um, uh, I would uh, I would uh, smoke every day, and then that effect that had attracted me to the plant uh, maybe was not there anymore. Also, uh, at times I could notice an effect on my work routine. Uh, I would uh, start to see the sort of the dark side of marijuana in terms of. Uh, uh, less initiative, less drive, uh, maybe um, a more passive attitude towards life and so on. So uh, I had my, I had a dance with the plant in which uh, soon after I started uh, smoking uh, pot, I, I realized that, uh, you know, it, it could also be a troubled relationship and I needed to, to keep some distance or to, to manage a rhythm and uh, I heard from some people with much more experience than me that if you want to maximize your marijuana positive intake or you want to maximize the positive effect of marijuana, and when I say maximize is to have as much as possible of that positive effect, the most you can smoke is every other day. That, that will be, I heard that from someone that had much more experience than me at the time. I was in my 20s. And um, I tried to stick to that. I ended up not smoking during the during weekdays um, because I noticed the fact in my work at the time I was starting a company and I needed a lot of drive. And so I, I had to learn. There was a learning curve with marijuana in which um, I had to do less and less of it versus that initial stage in which you know, I, I, I fell in love with the plant and the fact it had in me. And I just had lots of friends who smoke and we were just smoking all the time. I guess that didn't work for me uh, longer term, so I had to learn to smoke less and less. And uh, now it's a plan that I do rarely. I do very little of. Uh, also because um, this mixture with tobacco, which is uh, it's not on the list, but it's, uh, I've had a long and troubled relationship with a plant that is also um, a very interesting plant in many ways. And... Uh, I think uh, when mixed with marijuana, the negative effects of both um, get uh, multiplied, and as uh, you get the uh, the pull of the tobacco or the, the addiction of the tobacco mixed with the effect of the marijuana, and it's uh, it just it doesn't work for me. So I, I in the last years uh, I've stayed uh, mostly away with some uh, there's some times where I do some, but I have to stop soon because I do notice that the effect is not what I'm looking for. But if I had to summarize uh, my learning with uh, with marijuana, it's uh, definitely less is more. It's a beautiful plant, but uh, 
you shouldn't do too much of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, Graham Hancock says that you know every plant has a personality. So the ayahuasca is the loving grandmother, the peyote or the iboga is the stern grandfather, and and um, and marijuana is the trickster spirit that tricks you in uh, in uh, in you know you wanting more and more. So it's very used to to abuse. I know very few people that can really use it without abusing it. So it's a it's a it's a tricky one. And 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 since we're here, I want to share. We had um, uh, Santo Dame Ayahuasca experience recently. And Santo Dame recognized Santa Maria as a sacred plant, and some part of the church allow officially the plant during the ayahuasca ceremony. And so I, I take a break. I was out of the dome, and someone offered me a puff of cannabis. I couldn't, I couldn't refuse, but I felt my energy immediately from the ayahuasca energy of being solemn in a way, where you feel like you know almost. You feel like being in a church. You feel like you are under, you know, the the like a divine presence. The cannabis immediately create the distortion into the trickstery, and immediately start feeling with with good mood, but with almost cheekiness. And immediately I start to perceive the environment rather than an environment solemn where people grow and connect with source. I start like you know, connecting with the judgment mind. And um, so I agree, it's a, it's a tricky one. I, I have to say, with, with uh, the combination of, of um, marijuana and ayahuasca, uh, it's, uh, it's interesting. I, I, I did it for a while. I did both together. And uh, a little marijuana before the ayahuasca opens yourself, in my experience, to the experience of ayahuasca uh, quite nicely. So, so uh, sometimes uh, you know our controlling ego, maybe on the way it needs to be overcome to really go in the ayahuasca flow, and a little a little marijuana does help with that. Also, part of my experience with marijuana sometimes is my own relationship with the plant, where the judge the judging mind comes in, is because I have an issue with my relationship with the plant, and then. I very rapidly go into oh I've I've done something that uh, gets me in trouble sometimes trouble being not being in the optimal space where I want to be and, and not having the best relationship I can have with it and and sometimes it's my my mind also does something similar to that but I I, I tend to look at it as more like my own um, maybe maybe a judgment on my inability to get a healthy relationship with the plant and immediately go into this. Uh, Judge, judgment of myself taking yeah. the plant as oh maybe I didn't maybe it was not good I should have not taken it and so on but for me it was the judgment of the environment of what are these people doing it was like a sense of uh, this, you know it took away the sacred that's what it does to me it, it creates some euphoria and good mood but I tend to press people's button in uh, mm-hmm. especially my wife which wants said, listen, either you stop, otherwise you're becoming unbearable. But um, what about MDMA? Now, as you know, it's, they expect to be legal in America in the next two years for um, uh, PTSD predominantly. What's what's your personal experience? Well, I started taking MDMA recreationally, and um, 
Again, I went from some early experimentation to then years later uh, a phase of my life where I started to take a lot of it in uh, in a celebratory setting like parties and so on. Um, again, as 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 many other substances, it it has diminishing returns as as you take more of it. I also uh, soon. Realize. I, I started to feel that with MDMA, I was borrowing from the future. Like I, I will get these peak states in which I will feel connected to everyone and everything, and I will uh, just feel very good about myself. But then, um, a couple of days later, I will have a down uh, where the opposite, you know, will be moody, and the opposite will be true. And I that that again introduced sort of the limit in 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 in, in, in how much MDMA. I wanted to take. I never treated it as medicine. It was really recreational. It was uh, like uh, I, I just wanted to get high. I didn't. I didn't uh, feel I was uh, healing myself in any way with MDMA. And then many years later, uh, when I had started uh, sort of a different path, uh, a different relationship with psychedelics in general, and uh, I had gone in contact with plant medicine and so on. Um, I had this experience um, with uh, MDMA and psilocybin, um, this very healing medicinal experience. And uh, when the facilitator of the medicine said it was going to give us a high dose of MDMA with a high dose of psilocybin uh, in a blindfold setting with uh, music and different types of vibrations and so on, um, I ask, I say, but uh, aren't you borrowing from the future with the, you know, like, uh, is this really medicine in the sense that it, it, it makes you feel bit better afterwards or is it something? And what he said resonated a lot with me and with my experience ever since. Um, he said MDMA wants to take you inside, and but we use it uh, in settings, in social settings where we are constantly going outside where we're socializing, talking, relating to other people, dancing, lots of uh, visual stimulation and so on. And um, in his words, that's very taxing for the mind. So I've, um, since that conversation and that experience, I've taken on a few occasions MDMA by itself or with psilocybin in a very calm and relaxed setting or even to have a deep conversation with my wife and and it's been not only a great experience and a, a healing medicinal experience but also it has not produced a hangover it has not produced the rebound effect of a couple of days later so i do think that in this case as uh, always set and setting are um, very important and affect the, the not only the quality of the experience but the aftermath of the experience and um, have effects in, in, in the chemistry uh, going on in your brain uh, during the experience and in the days after. So, so MDMA, I think uh, I discovered it early as a recreational drug and uh, much later as a medicine. And I've learned to see its potential, its medicinal potential in the last uh, years, and, and in my experience, it's, it's very important that uh, to go inside with MDMA, to not go outside. Yeah, for me, it was very useful for um, couple therapy. It, uh, it, it feels that it really helps to 
allow you to see a situation from the other person point of view, which that can be very helpful in a domestic setting. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I was in Burning Man a long time ago with Sasha Shelgin, who, who synthesized um, MDMA, and he said, you know, you can only do it once a year. Oh, wow. And um, and then I was like a little bit disappointed. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> is, is it too late? Um, and then Rick Doblin from Maps said that, you know, to avoid the dopamine depletion, you know, the, the, the Tuesday blues, the two days after the experience, you just have to not cope, not dealing with problems, just take a day off walking in nature and and that would uh, avoid the, the, the serotonin depletion of the two days after. Um, but yes, it's definitely taxing on your body and it's, um, you know, it, it, you, are, you are boring from the future, as you say. Well, I, I guess if you do it uh, once a year, you then take two days off and um, you go inside, you will be fine. So it's not a uh, weekend drugs. That's yeah. the message too. <laughs> LSD. Hmm. LSD. I hold LSD very dear with a, a very important place in, in, in my life because uh, uh, I used to I used to work in finance. I started a merchant bank with other partners. We were doing lots of M&A and private equity. And I was really in that world of uh, making money and, and, and chasing success. And uh, um, I was quite young. I was in my late 20s. I was, uh, we were doing very well. We uh, was based in Costa Rica at the time. And uh, uh, we were being very successful in the business. And then I had my first LSD experience. And uh, there were certain elements uh, that maybe were not, uh, they were taking a back seat, but they were definitely sharing the right with me, which, you know, I, I, I didn't find much meaning in what I was doing. Just I was not asking myself questions about meaning. So, so it was not uh, apparent to me, but uh, once I took the LSD, a lot of things happened and a lot of things that were maybe taking that back seat or being uh, somewhere in the back of my mind um, came to the front and uh, made me take some life-changing decisions. It also, LSD opened widely the doors of perception for me and made me suddenly, I couldn't take for granted lots of things that I had taken for granted, including a material reality, objective reality outside. Um, I, it humbled me a lot. I, I, I was not so sure of anything anymore. Um, I also had uh, a, a beautiful experience. I was in heaven, but I also was in hell. I had a very frightening experience too. It was, uh, it was in that sense, a very complete journey in which uh, the best and the worst, the easy and the difficult um, took place. And uh, I came out of it a changed man. And uh, I also came out of it uh, taking a very different look at my life and realizing that I wanted something else. So that experience was, uh, that was a pivotal moment and it was very instrumental. LSD was instrumental in making me 
take some life-changing decisions. I decided to leave finance. I decided to retire from the world of finance at the age of. Uh, it took me. It took me uh, two or three years to um, to do it. But uh, it was out of that experience that I decided I didn't want to stay just making money and doing deals and mergers and acquisitions and so on. And um, and so LSD <laughs> was. Um, had a huge impact in my life, and it was the first uh, a strong psychedelic experience, the first opening of the doors of perception, and it also, yeah, uh, a different Alejandro came out of that experience, I guess. So, very important to me. Um, amazing. Do you, would you remember the dosage? Was that a full dose? Um? Well, it was a funny story. Some Somebody had given me LSD in paper, and it was a beautiful. It was. It had a, a beautiful pink heart and angels, and it was like a lot of a, a very beautiful picture on it. And uh, somebody gave it to me as a present, and some you know, someone very loving that was very grateful for something I had done. I don't remember the details, but it, it came as a you know like like a beautiful present from someone. But I had never tried it, and I just um, kept it. And then this this friend of mine uh, visited me and uh, in Costa Rica. We had met recently, but we had become uh, friends very very rapidly. And and um, he said, "Oh, if we had some LSD, it would be so amazing." So I, I have some, uh, so we can take you know, let's take half. And he said, "No, no, let's go for the full thing. Uh, so let's go get another one." And I found myself with him in the streets of San Jose looking for LSD, not knowing where to look. And after, uh, after some adventures, we ended up with uh, an L another LSD. But this one was the opposite. It was very dark, and it has a school on it. And it, 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 like, it was a completely different presentation. You know, One had all the symbols and elements of positivity and love, and, and the other one had the symbols and elements of darkness. And... And then, you know, I, I wanted to take my one with a beautiful heart, but my friends say, no, 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 because then we'll have different trips. Let's do half and half, so we take the same. Okay, so I took half and half, and funnily enough, I had uh, this heaven and hell experience, and uh, and um, I just took a full LSD, probably be 120 mix, maybe it was 200, maybe it was, I, I had no idea. It, it was, I've never had uh, such a strong LSD experience ever again and it's probably because of that first experience and how strong it was for me uh, I became very interested in psychedelics I've taken LSD many times after that but it's the one substance that I haven't taken in large doses ever since uh, uh, I've probably taken 120 minutes I do a lot of microdosing I I I've taken LSD many, many times, but uh, with every other substance, I go very easily into hero dosage and then take a lot just to see what happens. And somehow with LSD, I'm a little more <laughs> cautious after that first uh, experience. But so what would you think is the, the mechanism? You know, we know that LSD, like other tryptamines, they weakens the default mode network in your brain which now neuropsychopharmacologists with these new fMRI machines, right, functional magnetic resonance imagery, they show that 
the the formal network connect these three key area and is the closest thing to the an egoic armor so the tryptamines reduce the blood supply so it's like the director of the orchestra of your brain went to bed so without the tightness of your egoic structure that's how you can see yourself with the outside the rat race of the finance how did you how does it, in which way the lsd show you the limit of that occupation of that life can you elaborate a little bit on that well i i, I think o- over the years uh, through my readings and psychedelic experiences and meditation and so on i've i've accepted i've taken as my own the narrative for the view um where consciousness is the one thing that exists uh, the one reality and the uh, the brain is a filtering mechanism and uh, in in a way there will be this uh, absolute consciousness this mind at large that uh, you know yeah, people refer to maybe as a god or and then uh, that uh, that uh, that mind at large can have the experience, the limited experience, uh, the localized experience of uh, any one of us, uh, the, the egoic experience of uh, uh, experiencing the world through through the senses and making sense of it. Uh, but that's a filtering mechanism. That's uh, So I think these uh, tryptamines definitely, in, in my view, um, what they do is they take out the filter to some degree, and then you start this expanded consciousness, this uh, this state of expanded consciousness, that's uh, what happens when you take the filter out. So in a way, uh, and with LSD that happens too, and, and, and I think it just rock, it, it completely shattered my previous assumptions about everything that were implicit like uh, you know I, I, I had taken uh, my parents were atheist and materialist and um, you know they, they, like science was the ultimate uh, provider of the truth and um, I it's easy to take that view to scientism and, and to assume that there is a, an, an objective material external world that then you experience to the senses and with the scientific method you sort of learn to uh, you learn about it and and you can manage that reality or you can you, you can play with it um, that first uh, dosage of LSD shattered that now uh, now I was agnostic I was not no, I didn't know now I realized that the reality I had had a, a, a very strong experience in which I realized that what I took as real was being formed in my mind not outside and then, of course, that also guided some reading where I started to come across narratives that describe the world in different terms. And um, that whole thing, I mean, it, it was not I direct. I didn't come out of the experience thinking I have to leave finance because I had an aha moment in which, okay, what I need to do with my life is this other thing. It's just that I came out of it completely not sure of anything. Very, very... Uh, thrilled about the prospects of exploring a much wider realm and I just my previous goals and aspirations my previous life seemed quite limited uh, with regard to 
the enormous potential that had been put on display suddenly. Suddenly I could not see life in the same terms I was uh, seeing it before. And that led very soon to me wanting to change my life. But but it was not that during the LSD experience I realized that it was wrong to work in finance. No, no. It was just that I came out of it thinking, oh, my God, this this is so little compared to there everything. Is so that much there is. more. <laughs> so much more to life <laughs> and to reality and to everything. Yeah. Yeah, that's very well said. And I just want to pres- to um, clarify something because there's a bit of confusion when you said, like, you know, my, your parents were materialist. You know, materialism in this context is not accumulation of material things. It's scientific materialism, which is the current paradigm where we believe that consciousness evolved through the evolution of biological, like the, from a single cell amoeba, we then became humans and consciousness came as an epiphenomenon in the brain. This is the current view of the current scientific paradigm, which is called scientific materialism. And what Alejandro is doing, and I agree, is that you know the opposite is that no, Consciousness did not came from the single cell amoeba that then developed into a sophisticated brain that created consciousness. Consciousness came before matter, before the bag. There was some sort of mind at large that then out of which ca- came matter. I mean, things are not provable both sides, but I just feel that a, a, a view of reality that can be called idealism or um, you know, this idea of a, co- of, of, of a consciousness that came before matter has an enormous implication in terms of how you want to live your life, how you th- what you think about previous life and, 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 and cosmogenetic, morphogenetic fields and, and telepathy and transpersonal psychology. There is a big impact on, on, on how this view of reality can, can affect your life. This, that was great. Thank you. Um, Salo Sabin, you, t- you touched a little bit on it with MDMA, but um, only with Mushroom. What's your relationship? I started again uh, recreationally. Somebody brought some time, uh, um, some mushrooms, and we took them, and it was one of the best moments in my life. We were all, it was also in Costa Rica. We were in a beautiful setting um, by the jungle with a swimming pool with great views, and uh, nice group of people and we were just laughing and having so much fun and it was incredible also um, by then I had already had my my LSD experience and that this somehow was more manageable uh, it was a much easier ride it stayed only on the positive I didn't visit the realms of hell and 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 it was really nice so I I started to do to do it uh, occasionally based more on, on availability, like uh, how easy it was for me. Sometimes I was in, in places where I didn't know how to get mushrooms or, or psilocybin, and sometimes they became available, and then I took them. Uh, and again, it, 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 it was a recreational. I think my I've gotten into these substances um, like wanting to have fun, like recreationally, but very soon, uh, uh, once the doors of perception were open with LSD, I was also uh, an explorer. I, I wanted to explore these altered states of mind, this expanded consciousness. And um, we're mixing the two. Like sometimes 
we'll take mushrooms and uh, be dancing on uh, some party on the beach. But sometimes I will take them with just one friend and we will sit in the garden and, and just have a higher dose of mushrooms and go into a more meditative uh, mushroom experience. And uh, I still will still laugh a lot and we will still you know, have a very good time. So for me, it was not... Uh, was still recreational, but somehow you had to do more with, with exploring the realms of the mind. Both with mushrooms and um, LSD, over the years, uh, I learned to use also microdose on them, like uh, versus like taking the full amount. Um, and uh, I think that's uh, microdosing is a very interesting way to relate to these substances um, it's not a, a, some people present it as a panacea as a, like a like the answer for everything you you just have better days and you can have it over and over and over i think uh, i've explored like continuous microdosing for long periods of time in my experience for me it was better to stop. I think it's, 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 it's very important to touch base somehow because uh, one thing that has become more important in my life, and, and, and I guess that comes more from my tantric practice, um, there is like achieving peak state in itself is not, uh, it's not anymore my objective. Uh, we all can enjoy a nice, peak state, but what uh, I really aim for is changing my default state. And uh, that's much harder. You can have a peak state every every week with any of these substances, with ayahuasca, with, and still remain in the same place, go back to the same uh, default uh, with the same issues, with the same challenges, with the same... And I think uh, um, it's very important in, in my relationship with these substances uh, the integration, the long-term effect um, these things uh, have on me is what I care more about now. And I think uh, sometimes, uh, you know, microdosing can lead you to uh, some fundamental changes in your life in the same way that ayahuasca ceremonies can. Or you can get... Uh, stay doing microdosing and having the same life, but with microdosing forever. And then you stop the substance and you are, you were moody before, you're moody again. If you were triggered before, you're triggered again. And it's, uh, okay, when you take uh, psilocybin or LSD in a microdose, uh, you get less triggered. Nice. But if you stop, you get as triggered as before. There hasn't been a change in, in your life. So now now I try to, I do use all these substances. I microdose on them. I, I go on and off on the substances, but uh, I'm always um, trying to integrate the, ch the information I receive or the changes that take place uh, in ways that allow me to slowly move my default state. And I'm, uh, I try to be as aware as I can of whether that is happening or not and what's leading to the changes I want and so on. Um, the most common protocol of microdosing psilocybin has been designed by James Fadiman, and his protocol is other 020, you know, from 010 to 025, according to your weight, basically. 
the amount should stop just before you feel it. It should be sub-perceptional every three days for 10 weeks. So I confirm, I agree that um, it should be a set period and not like, you know, open, not forever. With psilocybin, uh, I also had another interesting in, in uh, I once took, I think, eight grams, a big, a big dose. And and it was um, it was uh, probably the first time that I l- lost control. I could have ended up running naked through the streets. I was just I was in a forest with friends, and that that was not a possibility. But I really lost control. I I, I was not in control anymore, and that was interesting because. Um, a lot of things happen, and and I realized afterwards uh, nothing dramatic or nothing. Uh, but uh, I realized how out of control I had been, and that uh, maybe uh, is taking five MDMT buffos to 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 not be in control. Like not normally, in any of the experiences, I you know I'm I'm in a flow. I'm not uh, in controlling mode, but I'm I'm there present and I, you know, what happens, I, I, I still have a great degree of influence over what happens. With this big dose of, uh, of ma- magic mushrooms, I I lost it in a way. And that, again, was a humbling experience for me. It was the first time I felt that way. And I, I could have, if that had happened in a public setting, it had happened, I could have ended up in, you know, like I, I was really not... Uh, managing the <laughs> situation. But did you feel you had a, a, a ego death experience? You lost your sense of identity? Not that time. I just, in a way, I got lost on the trip. I lost the connection to, let's say, consensus reality. And I was in a journey there where I took for real things that maybe for outside observers were not real, and I reacted to that reality that uh, only I was experiencing, and then you know that was my reality, and I, I didn't have there was no bridge to the consensus reality that nor- normally I can be having very strong psychedelic experience, but I still am fully aware. Okay, I'm I'm in this setting. This is the result of me smoking DMT or whatever, and you know it's okay. Uh, here, I just got, uh, I don't know, I, I, I got lost in a different reality. And uh, again, that, that, that was a first for me. It's the only time where that has um, happened. And, and it was with, with Elosimen. And, and what was the teaching when you think about that experience? What did it brought you? Think? Well, generally, with, uh, with that experience, and also this has happened, uh, I've gone many times. This, uh, different substance on the list, but uh, I, I've gone many times to the Amazon to, to diet on uh, ayahuasca and other, uh, other plant medicine. And uh, I've gone through very strong experiences. And uh, one message that I, um, that I come out of these experiences with is It's all the stories you create in your mind. In, in, in the tantric test, they call them bikalpas. It's, it's mental constructs. So at one point, you may be 
under the influence of these substances convince that uh, whatever is true and you see it so clear and now you've connected all the dots and now oh my god this is this is what is happening or this is a this is the way things are and then a few days later you look at it and you go mm, no that's <laughs> that's the story the mental construct i came up with uh, during that experience and uh, no now but the level of certainty that i had during those moments those, those mental constructs i took for reality themselves and they they are not whether you take substances or not that learning i've taken with me and i think is is probably um, the biggest learning i've taken from my experiences with psychedelics is um is so we don't see the world we see our thoughts reflected in the world and somehow it's good to remain it's a humbling exercise it's it's like just remember that you are creating the reality that you take for like for reality well that just just a mental consciousness that's your thoughts reflected on the it's world. It's your perception. It's your perception and it's, yeah, but not only perception, it's the story you're putting on that perception. You're creating a story and you're taking that story for reality and it's just a story. Uh, whether you've taken psychedelics or not, but sometimes with psychedelics, you know, the story, it, it becomes this big aha moment. Okay, now I understand everything. This is, this is the way things are. And then, uh, no, again, that was just a story. And uh, and uh, yeah, that's uh, I guess that was the teaching from from that and other peak experiences with high dosages. Is um, uh, but again, I apply it uh, whether I've taken nothing in the last month and I still have this story in my mind of of why I'm having this problem with my wife or this situation in business or whatever. It's just a story. Mm -hmm. It's not real. Yeah, no, this is very important concept. Thank you. So let's continue with ayahuasca. You said you did a couple of dieta. What's um, what's your relationship with um, ayahuasca? I had heard about this substance um, from friends, uh, and it it looked. Uh, I was studying uh, an MBA in uh, near Paris in Fontainebleau, and uh, I had this Chilean friend whose sister had gone to what years later I realized was the Santo Daime. Uh, in Brazil and uh, live uh, in community with them, s a smoking pot and, and, and drinking ayahuasca. When I heard that story, it was I thought it was like really extreme. It was this very, very strong psychedelic plant that I, I felt it was like out of my league at the time. And years later, I was living in Colombia, spending a lot of time there, and a good friend of mine Uh, shared with me what I thought was a beautiful story of his first experience with ayahuasca. And this this friend, this friend, uh, when he was like 18, 19 years old, he had a, a, a very big fight with his father, a terrible fight, a fight in which uh, you know, his father uh, came to, to uh, tell him uh, something that my friend didn't want to hear. And then he reacted uh, very aggressively towards his father and s speaking in a very nasty way to him. And, you know, you, what are you talking about? You're an alcoholic and you're a failure and this and that. And, 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 and then he left the house and went to a friend's place in this, this terrible fight. And then his father died in a car accident uh, two days later. So that was his farewell to his father. And, of course, he, he realized also 
his father was right on that occasion. It was him that was wrong. His father was only trying to help. And his father was not a bad father. He was, uh, you know, just just human, like the rest of us, with his failings. and his. But he was not. So he had that chip in his shoulder, like, you know, what a terrible way to have, you know, the last uh, exchange with your father had been as bad as it could be. And then your father had died, and that was the last memory he, he kept of his son. And, you know, uh, he carried on with his life. He married, had a daughter, and he, he had a good life, but, but there was a chip in his shoulder. And then um, in his first ayahuasca experience, his father came to him, saying, now you have a daughter, now you realize it doesn't matter, I love you, gave him a hug, and, you know, they hug, he said sorry, he cried. And that was, um, that was his first ayahuasca experience. He, and I... I when I heard this, I said, I, I want to try it. <laughs> That's, uh, now now uh, I had a, a, a beautiful story to, to take me. So I went, um, I went uh, with another friend uh, uh, in Colombia uh, to the jungle. Um, and that was before that was after or after your LSD experience? experience. Uh, and uh, I, we were in this place in total darkness, and there was this... Um, this shaman or facilitator that with a flute that will play the flute every now and then, pew pew, but very little, and uh, complete darkness. And I, I, I took it and I started um, purging like mad, like like uh, uh, both ways. Uh, you know, I was vomiting and shitting all night basically, and um, and then I got a headache and nothing, no insight, no father coming to say anything, no, like just a terrible headache after lots of time in the, in the toilet. You had lost your dad also. I, I lost my dad when I was 10, but, but you know, it was, I was not going to the experience to have anything. That's why you resonate with your friends. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it, but but it, was not, it was not what drove me. It was, I just thought, oh, this is very interesting medicine. What happened to my friend? I didn't have a fight with my father before he died, so I, I, I didn't have... But the idea of reconnecting with him was compelling, maybe. Maybe, but no, it was not what was driving me. I guess I, guess, uh, I, I just wanted to experience the thing, and, and the experience was massive purging as I'd never experienced in my life, and then a terrible headache. So I didn't understand anything. I, I uh, you know, my friend, I said, well, what, dude, what's going on? I have a, and he said, respect the yahe. They called yahe, uh, ayahuasca yahe in Colombia. I said, okay, I'll respect it, but I, this is, I don't understand. This is, okay, porgen, porgen, porgen. And I, I this was uh, 20 years ago. So, so the, now, now the use of ayahuasca is much more widespread. Now there's much more literature references, stories of friends. At the time, I didn't have any of that. So, so uh, it was my first experience, and I wouldn't say it was a positive one from my limited perspective at the time. Then I came back to Cartagena, where, where, where I had my, 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 my home at the time, and almost everybody I met will tell me, oh, you look changed, with a big smile in their face. You know, so I was receiving this... And I felt light. I felt I felt good in the in the following days. So suddenly I I look at the experience, the not so pleasant experience I had had as a really positive experience, and I wanted to do more. Then I came to Ibiza and I started. I connected to the ayahuasca world here in Ibiza. I started to do ceremonies here. Second time it was like big MDMA, like just loving everybody and. 
And the third time I danced with God, I was I, I had a beautiful mystic experience that then I had on almost every occasion for the next hundred times or whatever. Then I started to um, to go into dietas. I started to drink by myself. I started to go deeper and deeper with the medicine. And I have to say again, if what you look for in my experience always, if what you look for is changes in your, in your default state, changes like permanent changes in your life, I think going deeper is better in the sense it's better to do uh, a few days in a row. It's better to go in a dieta. It's better, like You can do many ceremonies once in a while and that will have less effect. I'm not saying it will not have an effect. Of course it will. But the more, the deeper you go with deeper being staying longer in the medicine, going for more days or, or uh, dieting, uh, that will probably, I've had some very big fundamental changes in the way I see things, in the way I relate to my wife, in the way uh, after going deep in the jungle for a few weeks. And that, in my experience, uh, that hasn't happened to me in a single ceremony, in a single uh, session. I've had, in a single session, I've had a, a beautiful experience I had. I, I, I had gone, I had had this uh, big fight with a friend and partner in a business that didn't go well, and, and, and uh, things got complicated both on the business side and on the personal side, and, and we, from a very close relationship, we had grown apart, and, and we, we had had we had had a, 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 a bad fight. We, we were sort of divorced. And uh, I felt really hurt. I felt betrayed and hurt, deeply hurt. And I couldn't, it was very painful. And I, I was resentful. I, I, I couldn't understand why my friend had treated me that way. And I went into ceremony and uh, I experienced during, during the session, I experienced the whole thing from his side. And I realized everything I was feeling about him, he was feeling about me. And everything I thought he had done to me, I had done to him. So I came out of that ceremony, gave him a call, got together, hugged him, apologized for my part of this. And uh, s somehow that, 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 was, uh, that was very insightful and that was a, a beautiful example of things that, that can happen to you in, in when you take the medicine. So, so I think uh, it was a, a very practical uh, and, and beautiful outcome of a, of a single yeah. ceremony. I mean, how important is that, right? If Imagine a lot of misery in the world comes from misunderstanding, I think. Because you mentioned, like, you know, dancing with God, that kind of um, transcendence, mystical experience. I know it's difficult to put it in words, but um, can you try to describe that feeling what does it mean dance with god H how does it make you feel i guess um it's a mystical experience that is uh is very positive pleasurable you're feeling lots of love uh it comes uh normally with ayahuasca it comes with some beautiful visuals too and it comes with this sense of complete well-being and peace and flow and connection to everything and being one with everything, I realized after using some other substances that uh, I, th there's still an observer, there's still 
a me separated from the world that feels very connected to everything. Uh, there is not, it's not the real experience of oneness. It's not the, the ineffable experience that, uh, you know, what you merge with it and then any words you put, any words you put onto it um, fail to describe uh, because words are limited. It's not that. It's, 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 I call it dancing with God. It's, it's just a very a beautiful, mystical, elevated experience somehow where I do feel the divine very strongly, and but it's still there's still the observer. There's still uh, a, a me separated from the rest of the world having this beautiful experience of connection and divinity and so on. And uh, for many years, I will go almost on every session with ayahuasca. I will go there, and I. Uh, I wouldn't have, it would be very rare that I had challenging situations with ayahuasca. Uh, um, it was mostly this dancing with, uh, with God uh, situation. And then lately, in the last years, it's become, uh, it happens less. It's, uh, I, I, go, I go there, but to, let's say, a lesser degree. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm maybe... I'm doing a little less of the medicine lately, and I'm probably part of the explanation is I'm getting less uh, powerful insights, less um, mystical experiences out of it. I'm st still very nice experiences. I still I do more and more meditation while doing ayahuasca. Less I I, I try to get less carried by my thoughts and 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 uh, be more on an observant role. Um, but uh, the, let's say the peak is 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 a lower peak than in my uh, initial experiences or my experiences for for many years. Yeah, yeah, I have the same situation with ayahuasca. My wife and I we had a practice for seven years, quite intense. We do two three retreats per per year, and we both had specific um, condition to address. And I would say that we successfully addressed them. And uh, and now for me, at least, it's sometimes more like a collective experience. It's more, you know, feeling collected to people you love and developing trust and, um, yeah, feeding from the, 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 the from the collective rather than, than the personal experience. This is great. I knew that with you it would have needed a little bit more time, but it's fine, you know. <laughs> <laughs> people people can pause and come back because we you know usually we keep it at an hour but uh, i think this is going to be an hour and a half so you can, people can pause and come back the next is uh, dmt so yeah dmt is the active component of one of the plant of the concoction ayahuasca that you can smoke um, tell us about your experience with DMT. Okay, I well, I, my first connection to DMT was through ayahuasca, and um, then I had uh, I smoked changa for the first time in a high dose. So changa is the mixture between DMT and some other herbs. Uh, yes, and 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 it was that was a. a <laughs> a very intense an order of magnitude, uh, several orders of magnitude, more intense experience that the, you know, the experience with DMT in ayahuasca, uh, maybe a 20-minute experience or 15-minute experience in which uh, uh, I, com 
I did travel into other dimensions and met the entities I had uh, heard some friends talking about for so long, but that I, in my in my ayahuasca experiences, uh, I, uh, some things could be entities, but but you know it was uh, you, you could interpret the experience in different ways, and uh, you know some of the visuals or some of the things that were happening could be interpreted to be entities, but not necessarily. So, with this DMT experience, I did go into another dimension where there were some beings that I could see in perfect detail and interact with, and that was profound. That was uh, that was intense. I also. If I tell this story to my mother, she will just say that's an hallucination, and, um, and you know it may be. But uh, the way I lived that experience, I I have been in a different realm, in a different dimension where there are other beings, and I have interacted with them. So um, I did experience that. Very some of the experiences could be described as having great. But great frightening potential in the sense that the the, the entities themselves, uh, well, they were uh, they were. Uh, it was an intense experience to interact with them. But would you say they were benevolent or malevolent? What what is the nature of this interaction? I don't know. I think benevolent or malevolent. In my case, in my experience, that would be some judgment on my side. They didn't display obvious signs of benevolence or malevolence to me. I've had experiences in which the entities seemed very curious and were just looking at me and exploring me. I've had instances in which some entities that could be part of any horror movie came running towards me and ate me that I didn't I didn't allow myself to go into fear and I could just breathe through the experience and just experience it but uh, uh, there is nothing there is nothing that says to me that was an entity trying to do you harm or trying to steal your soul or trying to all those are narratives and stories maybe it was an entity just very curious about you that then runs towards you and because it has many legs and you know elements that <laughs> that you see in horror movies you could see that as an attack but i i have no no i i i don't i i think another learning i've had in these experiences and and and, and you know with people close to me and the experiences they've had and so on again is what you do with the experience. Like we tend to put labels and we tend to, again, uh, have mental projections, mental constructs on top of the experience. So if you see something that looks like a spider running towards you, it's very easy to interpret that as an attack. But it may be an entity with the form of a spider or that in your mind comes with the form of, of a spider just running towards you with enormous curiosity. Uh, towards uh, you and and uh, I think uh, in this experience there's this this I read it in a Joseph Campbell book but I, I, I don't know who is the originator of this quote but there's um, 
the mystic swims in the sea where the psychotic drowns. I think at the end of the day, one thing that I found very useful for me is to breathe and remain centered through these experiences. When we talk about heroic doses and we talk about very intense experiences, I think it's a good idea to just witness them and not identify with them. Not identify, not let your mind put the stories on top of it that then you take for reality. Just go through it. And by the way, that's also, um, I think that's also good advice for life in general. So, so if you, you can see this as uh, training sessions in which then the things that happen in life that sometimes are more challenging than others, uh, well, also try to be centered, try to breathe and try to witness what's going on. Yeah, that's that's very useful. Um, there are lots of life lessons here through the lines of the psychedelic personal experience description. Um, the you know the distinction between malevolent and benevolent it's so radically put in our Western psyche from religion, right? To have the devil and the angel. So yeah, that's a that's a very interesting realm um, to. To understand, you know, are those entity independent sentient beings that they are just other dimensional or interdimensional that they are there all the time and we can all, only access them when we 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 are under the effect and um, and can can our relationship with them improve humans' affair? <laughs> As you know, a dear friend of ours is now sponsoring a clinical trial where. He persuaded a um, prestigious university, a psychedelic laboratory, to inject a healthy volunteer with the, with DMT for a long time. You know, with the with the with the um, anesthetic machine. So it's not just a shot of like uh, an injection that lasts 20 minutes. It can be up to an hour, two hours. Um, so in a future episode, when the imp- um, experiment starts I'll tell you more about it but you know some people believe that you know they are definitely entities out there and like in the movie Arrival Denis Villeneuve send us this big like octopus like entity that not only they were benevolent but they actually helped Earth to avoid the third world war right in that movie so that's definitely interesting. And our, our friend says, how is it possible that NASA spends, I don't know how many billion or trillion to explore and, and kaleidoscope machines and big uh, observatory that cost billions and then don't even try to explore more connection with the, you know, entities through, through this, uh, this compound. But, but we're getting there. Okay, just to stay on the family of DMT, there is another type of DMT called 5-MeO, which comes from the, the, the poison secreted by this uh, toad from the Sonora Desert. Uh, so basically, you, you scare the toad, the toad ejects this liquid usually on a, on a piece of glass, then you let it dry, you, you scratch it, and again, like DMT, you smoke it. Uh, how is that different from the entity DMT and how was your personal experience? Well, um, <clears throat> again, in, with, with, with DMT, no matter how high the dose I've tried, I still was there to have the experience. Uh, that means my... With which one? With the entity DMT? With DMT, yeah. With, with normal DMT. Uh, NDMT is the, the correct name. 
with 5-MeO-DMT, which comes uh, from, from the secretion, the poison of this sonora desertol, but can also be found in, in plants in the Amazon. They take it as Jopo, they call it in, in Venezuela, Colombia, and Brazil. And, and uh, this one is, it has a different quality. There is a threshold experience, like if you take in a small amounts, it will induce a meditative uh, state. If you go above a certain threshold, it will induce an, an ineffable experience. This one, the observer disappears. Let's say you merge into the source or whatever. Again, whatever words, we, we lack words because words, by definition, uh, create uh, duality. And this is a non-dualistic experience for sure. Uh, this, I'd say... That's the strongest experience I've ever had. I, I had uh, uh, I had this this very dear friend of mine, mine was diagnosed with cancer, and at one point, as part, he was doing all the conventional Western medicine treatments, but he was also doing lots of alternative treatments, uh, some poison of some scorpion somewhere, this that, and and as part of these alternative treatments, he did a very high dose of uh, cambo, this little frog in the Amazon that has. Uh, uh, very beneficial effects in your immune system. And um, it is a not pleasant experience. You go to fall sick when you get the poison of the frog. And he did a very large dose, so he felt really, really bad. And he came back from that experience saying, I've seen the face of death, and I didn't like it. it was He came horrified by the experience. Months later, before um, Bufus, before 5MDMT had arrived in Ibiza and uh, other places, um, he told me he had had the experience with Bufus uh, in Mexico, and he said, remember, I told you I had seen the face of death and I didn't like it. Uh, now I've seen the face of eternity, and it's awesome, it's great. So, again, that, that, that uh, well, I, I want some, and uh, I, I, I tried it uh, shortly afterwards, and... Uh, Wow. I guess if I came back to life for a single day with a memory of this life uh, to a desert island and I could only take one substance with me, that would probably be it. Because it's the one substance where I guess I've seen the face of eternity and I've merged with the source. And whatever words you want to throw at it is uh, still is ineffable. It's, 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 you cannot describe it with words. But it's a very, very interesting experience. Also because you come back from it, and in the coming back, uh, for me, I had no doubt, no doubt whatsoever in my heart that this reality uh, we live in was the illusion and that I had been in the true reality. And again, uh, a, a, a reductionist, materialist, uh, Scientists will say you were hallucinating. Okay, fine, but uh, I know in my heart, and, uh, and in terms of subjective experience, I know I've been in something that is more real than what I experience every day, and I've seen very clearly as this reality was formed on top of that reality, um, and you know, reality is the illusion, I guess, and I, I lived through that. So, so that the learning that came with that. Uh, the profound learning. I also very interestingly because with all these substances, I think they is it's like brief peaks beyond. Like they 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 let you glimpse at 
other realities, other ways of understanding reality. And a lot of people say, okay, but you can achieve the same with uh, you know, 20 years of meditation. And it's true. And, 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 and there's probably, uh, a, I would even say, a better quality of achieving certain um, states of mind, certain states of consciousness through meditation without the use of any substance. There's something uh, probably good about that versus the use of the substance. The, the beautiful thing in my experience is these substances, when I've, when I've had these limited short experiences of something beyond, I've come back wanting to meditate more. And uh, somehow I don't see either or, I see the substances constantly reinforce my practice. And they tell me, when I, when I'm, I go with the ayahuasca, with the bufus, with the DMT, I come back, I have to meditate, and I do meditate more. So, so in a way, um, the it, it's like uh, you know going. If, if we were able to teletransport ourselves, um, you know, with some substance to the top of the Himalayas or to 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 Mount Everest, to the peak top, and observe the world from there, and I say, well, yeah, but it's there is there is some quality to actually climbing the mountain that you're missing with that experience, and that is. Uh, I said, okay, yes, but now, because I've been there for a few seconds, now I really want to climb that mountain. And I think uh, that's definitely what's happening in my life. And, and in that sense, I don't see one thing excludes the other in any way. So so the Bufus experience, the five family experience, has been probably the most transcendental experience I can think of. And it's made me uh, meditate more, be more conscious of my breathing. Amazing, amazing, yeah. I got I got goosebumps when I was listening to you because I had a similar experience. Actually, I think we were in the same room. Um, I I felt um, also. Someone said, uh, "It's like touching the heart of God," and um, and I had also the most beautiful and important moment of my life with Fabio. I felt this um, like a. a um, infinite sea of compassion and forgiveness I think it's the closest thing to heaven and um, yeah I couldn't speak for several hours after that and and then also uh, at the end of the all this integration there was something a little bit more practical but still very useful that happened to me um, like like it happened to you uh, I had also had the business disagreement with the, with a friend about building something and and in that moment I completely saw the whole thing from his point of view and that was also um, uh, facilitated the reconciliation. Okay, uh, peyote. Okay, peyote, I've had a few ceremonies uh, that I found uh, beautiful in every way. Uh, it's uh, somehow I feel it to be like a great heart opener and, and probably more grounding than ayahuasca, but in many ways uh, similar nature. Like like you can, uh, less visual maybe in my case, uh, but uh, ceremonies that are medicinal, that make you feel better afterwards in the following days, you're... For me, that that's one, one easy way to know when we're talking about medicine uh, versus... Uh, drugs 
is, uh, you know, whether is it addictive in the sense that it's, uh, it creates craving for it and, and the medicine should not. And also is how do you feel afterwards? Is it, uh, do you need to recover from it or actually you come out a better husband, better father, better friend, better partner and so on? And I think peyote in that sense is, is similar to ayahuasca in that it's, it's ceremonial settings in which uh, you come out better and uh, there is healing involved and so on. I've also, uh, with peyote, and, uh, like there's this cousin of peyote, San Pedro, that also uh, has mescaline as one of the, of the alkaloids involved. Um, I like to microdose on them. Uh, I've also done some recreational use. I, I, I think uh, some people uh, reject or dislike the use of sacred plants uh, for for recreational purposes. I don't subscribe to that. I respect that view, but I, I, I think uh, at the end of the day, uh, the experiences are so much, it's so much nicer to use these substances for recreational purposes than to use uh, the ones accepted by society at large, like alcohol. Uh, and and uh, I think uh, no, nobody sees a problem with drinking wine and then you know or or, or, or mezcal or vodka or whatever for in a, in, a, in the celebration of a birthday, and say well I I can take a little peyote or I can take a little mushrooms or I can take a little whatever, and be there connected enjoying it and I I I don't think there is anything wrong with that and I do practice that a lot. Yeah, I, I prefer the word celebratory rather than recreation. So that word it makes, immediately makes it more acceptable. And yeah. um, Next one on the list actually is San Pedro. So maybe you can continue, elaborate a little bit on that. Well, somehow San Pedro I experience as a more gentle uh, than peyote somehow. I don't, uh, that word comes to mind, but I, I wouldn't be able to elaborate too much on that. It's, it's just it's just words. But I I do uh, I do use it uh, a lot in microdosing in subperceptual microdosing. I take I take very little, uh, so little that I don't really notice it. But I do feel it has a positive effect. Um, the Wachuma, I, I feel also, um, I don't know, I, I, it's, it's just a feeling. I, I don't have the, the science to back it up, but I, I feel it's very healthy. <laughs> I, I take it as I would take a supplement or uh, something. But again, it's not based on some specific knowledge that I've acquired that shows, although I'm sure, I'm sure there is some uh, going around. I mean, and, and I'm sure uh, all those alkaloids, because in, in, in the Western world, we tend to identify um, these plants with a single active ingredient. And normally it's the, the, the most active one, the one that is most noticeable, in this case, mescaline. And with these plants, it tends to be the most psychoactive one. But... I don't know if, if San Pedro Peyote, they have maybe a hundred or over a hundred alkaloids, uh, that all of them do something in your system and uh, in subtle ways, probably in your consciousness too. So, so uh, I, I do have this feeling, my body tells me that uh, San Pedro, to take a few drops of uh, San Pedro Coronacion every day 
or many days is 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 healthy. But again, I I, I do it in a dosage that is perceptual, definitely. Sometimes maybe I want to do a walk in nature, and I took I take more and then perceive it, and it's a, it's a very gentle heart opener, connecting to everything type of. Uh, spirit or, or vibration yeah I did my first San Pedro ceremony a few months ago and um, it was very disorienting um, the facilitator said that the first time is usually a little bit like that it's um, I felt uh, first of all you had to drink a lot like almost two and a half liters of this um, water infused uh, San Pedro and um, I had some, you know, strange, um, strange vision. Someone said that there is something grotesque about about San Pedro, and there was something confusing, a little bit also sexually dark. Like it reminded me a little bit of of, of LSD in that sense. And then, and then I'm I'm so used to do the ayahuasca in a in a close ceremonial setting where you can't really leave the, cir- the the circle where you're like guided all along from beginning to end and that was the nature of San Pedro was you know the, the facilitator said like you know go and walk in the forest and come back and it was very free and I felt a little bit like um, loss, uh, loss of guidance uh, then I was a bit cold then I wasn't happy where we of the quarter where we were the, you know supposed to sleep so that's again, you know, it's important the set and setting of where are you mentally? Are you you're gonna be comfortable? You know, if you start, in, in, you know, in, in including ex- expectation, uh, it can be it can be a disturbance. But I'm looking for the the second round, and maybe we we'll go together. Iboga. Okay, Iboga. Iboga is probably the strongest experience I've had other than Bufus in the sense, and the strongest one by far, but like an order of magnitude stronger or more intense uh, where uh, the observer remained, where I was there to experience something. Um, I, I took a heroic dose for the first time. I went to a place in Mexico that um, specializes in the treatment of uh, heroin addicts. Uh, by providing uh, what they call a float dose, a very large dose of uh, Iboga and Ibogaine, the, the, the active ingredient. Um, and I went uh, because I wanted to explore and, and, and have an experience with the medicine. I realized I, I've done it a second time here in Europe um, with people who come from a Gabonese tradition, um, while this one was not link directly to, to its African origins. And uh, it's been a lower dose and it's been a, a more manageable experience. My first experience with this float dose, it was just, well, um, <laughs> as strong as it could be. And the, the visions and the, uh, they were as real as uh, any experience you can have as us talking now here, uh, and uh, very intense. All sorts of things happen, and it lasted like 24 hours. And uh, it was uh, it was very interesting. I I I I had again. I had some experiences that could 
be conceived as frightening, like a, a tarantula only centimeters away from my face, hanging from the ceiling. Uh, in perfect detail, I could see the mouth of the tarantula move and the legs and everything, and uh, m many things like that. And I, I, I give this an example. I somehow had been primed to see sp spiders because somebody had described the experience to me and had mentioned spiders. So that was the word that would come to my mind when, you know, uh, Iboga. So, so I asked the facilitator, will I, will I remember who I am all the time through the experience and what I've done, that, that the fact that I've taken Iboga? And he said, yes. And then, and then I said, well, then I just need to remember to breathe and be centered again, because, you know, if it's me experiencing, if, if a big dragon comes or any type of monster or a big tarantula or whatever, uh, and you remember that you've taken Iboga and that you're, in this case, Alejandro, under a big dose of Iboga, then you just have to keep calm. It's, uh, if you forget, then it can be really scary if you identify with it and then you think you have a tarantula, a real tarantula centimeters away from your face. Uh, I did remember all the time. I did manage to keep um, my cool, let's say, and it actually felt quite empowering. I, I felt really good about not being afraid of such a vivid realistic tarantula so close and that is it's only an example because for most people it will be very easy to visualize the situation with a tarantula but all sorts of things happen some of them amazing some of them could be very frightening and uh, at one point i asked the medicine to show me my fear and uh, i was presented with a with a image of uh, a man coming over my wife. My first reaction was to think it was a lover, but then uh, uh, he attacked her with a knife and then my elder son came to protect her and was also stabbed. But the medicine made that image blurry and small, while all the other images were crisp, clear. So I found the spirit very protective. So, um, very vivid images, very uh, a protective uh, spirit. I think Iboga also it connects the, it connects you to your body, or it puts your body in control. And, and I'd say I, I, I think uh, we know in our bodies, which some people say we know in our hearts the answer to all the questions we ask. But uh, mind comes along and distorts that answer, and sometimes we don't get to the true answer that our bodies know about uh, because our mind provides a different one or provides a story that takes us in a different direction. And I think in my experience with Iboga, um, I don't know, like, uh, for example, uh, I like coffee, but coffee doesn't do me well. If I drink coffee, it upsets my stomach, and I, but I like it a lot. So many times, you know, I've been tempted to drink coffee, and then I try not to remember that uh, tea suits me better, and so on. After Iboga, if I look at the cup of coffee, if I think about a cup of coffee, my whole body contracts. I, I, I couldn't even, if I wanted, take one, I think. It's, it's like my body rejects it. Um, same thing 
maybe for cigarettes, if I'm smoking uh, cigarettes at the time, it's my body that reacts them. It's not, uh, um, it, it creates uh, for heroin addicts, which is, is one of the strongest addiction, if not the strongest addiction possible. Uh, it creates uh, an addiction interruption window of months in which they just don't want heroin. Their body rejects the heroin. It's not uh, without uh, without any withdrawal symptoms. Without it's, it's a very very powerful medicine that, uh, in my case, I've always fantasized with uh, the beautiful life I, I I could live if I woke up early naturally. Uh, I'm, I'm more of a night person. It, I always have it. It, it takes a uh, big effort for me to wake up early and it's unpleasant and then you know I can do it but it's unpleasant it's not a and I I always fantasize well how nice it would be if I just woke up naturally at 6 a.m. every day just boop, open my eyes and be and uh, after my first divoga experience for the next five six months um, that's what happened I will wake up at six in the morning five thirty-six, and boom completely completely awake and energized and then at 9 p.m. I will be falling asleep. I, mean, I couldn't operate. I will just pop, fall asleep completely. I will sleep really, really, really well for many months. Uh, it, it seems uh, some some metabolite of uh, ivogaen stays in your liver for a few months, and that's the time uh, that this these effects, these physical effects, happen. But they are uh, they are really, really positive. In my case, and in all the stories I've heard. Um, they are just really positive effects in the sense that your body, uh, you will be naturally in the place you want to be with regard to all the substances and all the foods and all the, your body will be in control and keeping you away from the things that don't do you any good and uh, making you perceive the things that do you good. So a, a beautiful medicine. Amazing, amazing. I mean, listening to you, I you know I, I remember again once more to what extent these medicine these plants are extremely important to develop an harmonious art of living. It's not just you know now everybody's talking for the medicalization of this medicine for PTSD, depression, anxiety, and of course addiction, and of course that's very important. But you don't need to have an addiction or a, or a, or a, or an anxiety or depression issue to enjoy this medicine, as you heard from Alejandro in all these different um, cases. To what extent it it helps refine relationships with the loved one, relationship with your body, relationship uh, in community, and. Okay, we have the two last one. Then I'll let you go. Uh, we have Kana. Um, Kana, this is 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 is. Uh, I came in contact with it only a few years back. It's uh, a flower from South Africa. Uh, I took it the first time uh, in pills where it had been mixed with some other things that you can buy over the counter legally, um, you know, supplement stores and so on, and produce this very intense sort of MDMA-like effect, but uh, fully medicinal in the sense that the next day you felt really, really good, and two days later, and three days later. And I I was shocked because it was, it was beautiful. It came from some guy 
out of LA that had done some alchemy with it. And it was hard for me to believe that they had not put MDMA or other substances into the pill because it felt so so good <laughs> and, uh, and so similar. Then I, um, a couple of years later, uh, a friend a friend connected me to some very high quality kana because you can you can it's, it's legal so you can buy kana over the internet normally it will come in powder and I did but you know the effect was not anywhere close to the effect I've had had that first time and then this friend um, uh, connected me to this like really really nice kana in liquid form just kana no other additives but. Uh, uh, yeah, an order of magnitude better in terms of the experience than anything any other kind I've tried. And uh, it's really, really nice. It, it it connects you. It's a heart opener again. It's uh, It can be it's sensual. It's in the same way MDMA can be. It, uh, you know, it, it gets you into this nice spot. It's uh, really good for, for sex or intimacy. It's, uh, you know, it's a like, subtle effect it works better on an empty stomach it's the effect is reinforced by cacao uh alcohol food and alcohol specifically kill the effect and if you try to do more you start to become nauseous and so so th th there's this sweet spot in which just a little you know you put a couple of drops under your tongue and it's very nice and again it, it, it shows how much medicine there is out there um and how I don't know how little information or, or what like our culture is being monopolized by alcohol in terms of mind altering substances. Uh, well, alcohol and caffeine maybe that's uh, the two the two accepted. Uh, and then there are so many other uh, uh, drugs that uh, you know, nasty drugs or drugs that uh, bring a lot of trouble with them. And that's, uh, that, that, that leads me to the next one because, you know, one, I, I, generally speaking, I see cocaine as not having a very positive effect on the people that take it, even while on the drug, which I find interesting because, you know, like, like okay, you, 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 uh, when people take heroin, they, they have this extremely pleasurable moment. And then the, when the moment the effect runs out, they want more, and that, that creates all sorts of problems. But, but w w with cocaine, I constantly see around me people taking it becoming less interesting than two minutes before they took it. And, uh, and, and you know, it's, it's, it's not a drug that I think is uh, um, bringing a lot of benefits to, to society and to the people that take it. Uh, on the other hand, the, 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 the coca leaf, the coca plant, is revered as one of the master plants, the most medicinal plants, uh, same uh, level as ayahuasca, and, and interestingly enough, uh, tobacco, in in the shamanic cultures in the in the Amazon, and um, it is a really, really amazing, beautiful medicine, and. Uh, with lots of physical and psychological positive effects. It gives you energy, makes you eat less, it makes you listen, just to, to compare with the effects of cocaine. And, 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 and uh, it's, it's taken, I've, I've taken it and I, I 
enjoy taking it a lot as mambe, where where they mix it with uh, something to bring the alkaloids out. Uh, normally, some ashes or some crushed shells, or and, uh, but it's the the coca leaf in powder form, and 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 some other element that helps bring the the alkaloids out. And um, it's a uh, it is a beautiful beautiful medicine. It gives you it helps you. It helps centering. It helps uh, listening. It helps connecting. It gives energy. It's uh, a session of um, a conversation with friends doing mambe can be uh, beautiful. And in in this, in many of the tribes that uh, use it, uh, they will get together and uh, take mambe and discuss all the. Um, things that need to be discussed in the community. And uh, you can see how people are doing the mambe, and then somebody talks and maybe talks for 15 minutes. And when that person finished talking, everybody else continues doing the mambe and going, hmm, hmm, like meditating on what has been said for five or 10 minutes of silence. And then somebody will go, okay, what I think, and then, you know, continue. Uh, how different that is from, you know, people in our society we're always waiting for the other person to breathe to uh, step in because it's already instead of uh, true listening we're like making the answers in our head um, to what is being said and 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 mambe helps with that so and, and now now look at uh, you know with with again with technology and a reductionist approach we've taken from that beautiful plant Uh, a very powerful active ingredient. We've mixed it will, um, and process it with all sorts of chemicals and come out with uh, something that has lost the magic along the way and the health benefits, and it's just this big upper ego-boosting uh, substance. And, and, and uh, so it's funny that uh, this is one of the few plants um, that are illegal around the world, the plant itself, And uh, not only is that extremely disrespectful for the local cultures that have used it medicinally and socially for thousands of years, but um, also very short-sighted because it is a very powerful medicinal positive thing to bring into our diet. And somehow we in the Western world create this this technology-driven spin-off that is uh, unhealthy and dangerous, and then we make illegal a plant, which just just making plants illegal should be, who are you? <laughs> Something like that. But anyway, that's uh, that's a different a different subject. Yeah, amazing. This has been super interesting. I mean, I can't help to add one re last remark. Uh, which has to do with something we've been talking about. You know, when you have a um, healthcare system for profit, um, a healed patient is not a good customer. <laughs> so I think that that's why some of these um, plants are illegal. Um, I really want to thank you because, you know, the objective of this podcast is to uh, taking off the stigma and helping people understanding this psychedelic medicine, this natural plants or or even lab compound but that have similar effect um, I think that there is a lot of possible application of this compound for wellness for art of living for life design 
And so thank you for sharing your wisdom and your knowledge. Um, I want to invite you again. We discuss it for to discuss about Tantra, possibly with your wife. Um, so I have to do my homework. I have to read the book that you recommended, and then um, we'll 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 meet up again. Is there anything that um, comes to mind that you want to share with uh, with listeners that are curious about this medicine and maybe want to ask you? Okay, I haven't done anything yet. Where should I start? Something like that. Well, I, I think these are um, th- these substances to different degrees, but they um, they are not to be taken lightly. They they they, they are um, they are very powerful uh, substances that should be dealt with with respect and humility. And and I think it's in the same way. There's some extreme exports. Uh, it's not only okay, it's great to do them, but uh, you have to be respectful, you have to be careful. It's good to be in the company of more experienced people. Uh, Set and setting are extremely important. And uh, it's also the dosage makes all the difference. So, so, you know, it's it's good to get used. To to treat it in the same way, okay, if you want to do parapentine or you want to do um, parachuting or surf with big wave surfing or something. Okay, start with the small waves. Start with someone that knows how to surf well and learn. But don't let um, most of these substances are they have an inherent goodness about them. If uh, in, in in the in the in the ancestral cultures that use them. Um, they believe, uh, in the case of plant medicine, they believe plants have a spirit and the spirit um, in abolition. That means plants have an agenda. Plants, uh, plants want things. And these plants are benevolent spirits. And these plants generally will help you and will t- uh, you know, provide... Uh, yes, they, 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 they will be a positive force in your life just understand that is we're talking about um, you know uh, a lot of things that sustain your current identity and your current life may be challenged or shattered by these experiences and that's not always easy to integrate and so so uh, i will say i would uh, urge caution at the same time that i i have to say i'm a big fan of uh, what this uh, what these substances can bring to us as individuals and as a collective yeah. and so start with a small wave take the gradual aspect and um, see you soon guys thank you for being here thank you Coca sunarai sunarai enti Coca sunarai sunarai enti Coca sunarai sunarai enti Coca sunarai sunarai enti Coca sunarai sunarai enti